So we're in a series called Altars. How many know you can't alter your past, but you can bring your past to the altar, and God can change everything. And I want to do a quick little review from last week, uh, which was kind of the introduction of this series. We're kind of officially launching the series today, but last week we said, if the wrong stuff doesn't die, the right stuff can't live. How many know no death, no resurrection, right? So a lot of times we wonder, why is my dream not thriving and why is my dream? Well, there's some stuff that's sucking the life out of you that's got to die before the right stuff can live and thrive. However, this is a great time. That's why we do our 21 days of prayer and fasting because we're killing stuff, man. We're just, we're killers. We're just, stuff is dying. I mean, we're just, last week the title of the message was, we're we're killing it. (laughs) And I made that message up after the sermon, but anyway, it's a good one anyway, but we're killing some stuff. And if you want to know, and this I didn't say this last week, but this is really interesting that when you think of worship, a lot of times we think of, you know, what just happened in the worship band. They did a great job and, uh, and the beautiful music and, the, you know, cool guitars and all that and, and that. and that's worship for sure. But did you know the first time worship was mentioned in the Bible, it had nothing to do with a pretty song? You know, I exalt thee, or you've given me a clean heart, or... You are my champion. I mean, like that song. That's a new one. I, I've been singing that song for like two weeks. It's stuck in my head. But it had nothing to do with a pretty song. <laughs> Miracle worker, promise. None of that. The first time worship was mentioned. It didn't even have anything to do with passing the plate and, you know, putting gold coins in the basket or anything like that. The first time worship was mentioned, it involved a knife and like killing something <laughs> that was on the altar. That's what real worship is. That's why uh, if you grew up in the 70s or 80s in church, you remember this song, we bring a sacrifice of praise. Remember that song? Why is it a sacrifice of praise? Because sometimes you don't feel like doing it. It's a sacrifice. But real worship involves killing something. Not your spouse or one of your kids, you know. But that's why God sent his only son And he wants to give us the power to kill some things so that the right things can live, right? So we kind of talked about that last week. We saw how Abraham's father, he had three sons, my three sons. And unfortunately, something tragic happened. One of his three sons died. And how many know parents are supposed to not outlive their children? Ideally, right? So, and this is probably one of the most horrific things that could happen to anybody. So he lost one of his three sons and he was on his way to the promised land, but on his way there, he got stuck in a place and he named it after his dead son and he never moved on past that place. A lot of people, tragedy, and listen, tragedy happens. Now, being a Christ follower doesn't mean that tragedy doesn't happen. It means that he's there to help you through it because like the great philosopher Forrest Gump said, stuff happens, doesn't it? And stuff happens to us all. So what are you going to do when stuff happens? Well, Abram's father just got stuck. He just stayed there. You don't have to be stuck in the place of your pain. And today we're going to talk about, the title of the message today is Building with the Broken. Building with the Broken. Now, how many of that's the only stuff God has to build with? Is the broken. Because he's building with us. 
How many of you have some brokenness that he can work with? Anybody? <laughs> All of us. And if you didn't raise your hand, we'll have an altar call for liars at the end of the service. But <laughs> one thing that we all have in common, and uh, every single one of us, and what I love about this church, or a few things, uh, I love that we're so diverse. We, we might be the most diverse church in Mobile, Alabama. And I love that. And so my favorite thing about our church, well, is that, Jesus is here. But my second favorite thing is that you're here. And I love that. But even though we're we're all different, we're diverse, we all have something in common. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how many kids you have or none of that stuff. We all have something in common. And in the first service, somebody shouted out, Jesus. Well, yeah, um, we have him in common. Um, Most of us do, those of us that are Christ followers. But even if you're not a Christ follower, we all have something in common. And here it goes. We are all uniquely screwed up in our own special way. (laughs) How many of you are sitting next to somebody? I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Well, it's true. And in other words, we all have brokenness in our life. So the question is, what are you going to do with that brokenness? And we're going to talk about that today, how to handle that brokenness, what to do with it so that God can build with it. Because God spoke to Abram and he says, I have a better future for you. Could you just all say that? Say better future. future. Man, that just sounds good. feels good, doesn't it? I want you to know today, and and somebody needs to hear this, yes, there is a better future for you. So pastor, my life's pretty good. There's a better one for you. My life sucks. There's a better future for you. Wherever you are, there's a better future. But you're not going to get to that better future unless you develop the atomic habit, unless you develop the power habit of meeting with God on a regular basis. And that's what we call the altar. The altar is a place, whether literally or metaphorically, where you come and you meet with God. I mean, think about it. I used to live in a third world country where their religion, you go to in people's homes and they all had these little shrines that they had built to their deity where they would go into that room and they would worship and they would take offerings and sacrifices and things. And it's kind of, kind of creepy actually, but anyway. Um, but they had that. And I thought, wow, we should have that as Christ followers. Not that we have little statues or anything, but we should have a sanctified place where we meet with God on a regular basis. I mean, think about it. We have a, we have a room for our car. A lot of us have a garage, you know. We have a room for our TV. We have a room for our stove and our refrigerator. We have a room for Jesus where we meet with him, a place where you meet with him on a regular basis. And that is your altar because if you build it, he will come. How do you build that altar? We're going to talk about that today. And if you do have brokenness in your life, and we all do, I want to encourage you, your next step is probably to connect to one of our freedom small groups. Now, we have amazing small groups, which are really kind of the lifeblood of our church. And the on-ramp to small groups is through our Next Steps coffee, which happens after each service. So if you've never been to our Next Steps, right after this service, they're going to meet across the hallway in the Next Steps room. There's coffee and snacks and stuff, and we'll watch your kids for about a half hour while we tell you who we are as a church and where we're headed and how you can connect and how our church community can come alongside you to help you in your journey of faith. Because we can't do this by ourselves, none of us. We can't, you can't, we need each other, right? 
We're in this love together. A lot of 80 songs coming your way this Sunday morning. It was just, I don't know why. It's just sometimes that anointing comes on me. But, but you got to deal with the pain of your past before you can step into the promise of your future. So connect with a small group because there is a better future for you. Um, we talked about last week how that Abraham, who's a pretty special guy, he was a very wealthy businessman. Anybody want to be a wealthy business person? He was a successful family man. Anybody want to be a successfully, successful family person? And here's the, really, here's the best part of it all. The Bible says in James 2.23 that he was called the friend of God. Wow. It says it again in Isaiah 41 and verse 8. It says, God was talking. He goes, Abraham is my friend. Now, the only person in the Bible that God ever called his friend was this guy, Abraham. Not about you, but I wouldn't mind being a wealthy businessman. I wouldn't mind being a successful family man, husband and father. But being the friend of God, that's kind of like the ultimate. Amen. Now, how do you get what he got? You do what he did. Success leaves clues. So in other words, if you want to be fit, you find out what a fit person did and you start doing that and you'll have similar results. If you want to be financially blessed, then you find out what a fiscally responsible person did and start doing that and you'll have similar results so because success leaves clues. So if we can find out what Abraham did, then we can have what Abraham had. Well, what did he do? One thing he did was everywhere that boy went, he built an altar. He had a place where he met with God personally, individually. He had, an, he had God encounters. So let's look at some clues today of how to become the friend of God. Uh, and by the way, Abraham, for the most part, everywhere God led him, he went. Except for this one time that I can see, we'll talk about that, but in just, in just a minute, but he, uh, he went to Egypt. God never said go to Egypt. God said go to the promised land. How many know you got to go where God tells you to go? Do what God tells you to do. It's one thing to hear from God. It's another thing to obey God. Amen. So during this time of prayer and fasting, I want you to hear from God, yes. But more than that, I want you to obey God. Because we can all hear from God. And I believe all of you are probably hearing from God. But just not all of you are obeying God. I brought, brought my toe-stomping boots today, so you're ready. <laughs> but I mean it in, in love because I love you. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. <clears throat> I'll divert from my notes for just a second. But uh, years ago, it's probably been 10 or more years ago now, um, you know, I, I like to be out in the lobby after services, and I like to high-five and hug necks and kiss babies and meet people and shake hands. I'm a people person. I like people. Um, I'm not, you know, the hide-in-your-office, uh, you know, pastor who floats out on the cloud and, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> we do have a smoke machine, though, but anyway. Uh, so I just like people. I like hanging out with people. And so uh, one pastor or a, a man of God years ago, old guy who's gone home to be with Jesus now, but he said, uh, you know how you know uh, if somebody's a good pastor or not? I'm like, well, I want to know the answer to this because I want to be a good pastor. He says, a good shepherd smells like sheep. <laughs> I thought, hmm. Okay, so I try to get out among the sheep, you know, I like, I like y'all. And so, uh, uh, but anyway, several years ago, I uh, was out in the hallway, and somebody said, hey, pastor, can I talk to you for a minute? And I thought, uh, 
you know, I, I like talking to people, but if somebody needs pastoral counseling, the hallway's not the best place for it. But I thought, yeah, yeah, let's talk. And they said, well, I'm having a problem, and my problem is I can't hear from God. I said, hmm, well, what do you, talk to me. What do you mean? You, are, are, is Jesus your Lord? Yeah. You've, you asked the Holy Spirit to come fill you? Yeah. Have you been in the next steps? Yeah. Are you in a small group? Yeah. Are you a tither? Do you worship God with your money? Yeah. I thought, well, man, I'm confused too. I don't know, what's, I don't know why you can't hear from God. So I'm, now I'm perplexed. I'm like, hmm, uh, are you sure? You, 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 are, you, are you listening? I promised. I pastor. I'm, I'm praying more. I listen to, uh, I got Power 88 on in the car. I'm, I'm not listening to secular music. And, and I'm doing everything I know how to do to, to, pray, to hear from God. I said, well, well, do you remember the last time you did hear from God? Well, yeah, I sure do. Remember it like it was yesterday. Well, how long ago was that? It's probably been 18 months. Well, where were you? Well, I was coming out of the sanctuary one Sunday morning. Well, what did he say to you? Well, he told me, and they fill in the blank. They, he's, God told me to, to do this. I was like, okay, well, how did that go? Did you do that? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> ah. Ah. So it's one thing to hear from God. It's another thing to obey what he said. I said, okay, well, we just found your answer. You got to go back to the last thing he told you and do that if you want to hear from him again. Because how many know he's not going to keep talking to you about other stuff until you obey the last instruction that he gave you? And I don't know if you've realized this, but he's very patient. He's got all the time in the world. He'd be like... So let's see, Abraham had a similar thing happen in his life, and let's, let's look at that. Let's go to Genesis 12, and we're going to read a large passage of Scripture here, chapter 12 and chapter 13. We're just going to go line by line, verse by verse here. And it says in Genesis 12, 1, that now the Lord said to Abram. Now, we covered that last week because we were in chapter 11 last week. Now, what do you mean now? Abram's father died. And when Abram's father died... That's when God started speaking to Abram. How many of you sometimes the old man's got to die? <laughs> Come on now, somebody. That'll preach. <laughs> Once the old man died, God started speaking to Abram. He said, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, this stuck place. You got to move out of the land of stuck to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. How many of you got to know God's will? I, God, God's will is to make you great. I will bless you and make your name great. And, I will, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord spoke to him. His nephew Lot went with him. Next week, we're going to talk about what's your lot in life. So be sure and come back for that. And Abraham, or Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. That was the stuck place. So how many know you're never too old to obey God and to get unstuck? Amen. Then Abram, verse 5, he took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered. <clears throat> they departed to the land of Canaan. That was the promised land. Verse 6, Abram passed through the land as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. We talked about that last week, how this symbolizes the local church. It was a place of informing, a place of instructing, and a place of launching like an archer launches an arrow. So the importance of the local church in your life is, is even typified in the Old Testament. Then verse 7, then, everybody say then. then. He went, he traveled, he got connected to the local church. Then the Lord appeared to him and said... To your descendants, I will give this land. That's a good promise. 
And there, everybody say there. There he built an altar. And there is the there connected to the will of God for your life. You got to get there. There's the right there and there's the wrong there. We want to get right there. Verse 8. And then he moved from there to the mountain. He went up higher, east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there, everybody say there. He built an altar to the Lord. And he called on the name of the Lord. What does that mean? It means he, he said, Lord, here, I'm, I'm yours. I'm your man. I'm committing to you. Not my will, your will be done. I'm yours to command. I am your servant. So Abram journeyed going on toward the south. Hallelujah. Thank God for the SEC. Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. Circumstances ever shifted in your life? Things dried up? Resources? Relationships? A drought? Things get tough? So listen, here's Abram made a mistake. There was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. Wrong there. The famine was severe, and it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, so just paint a picture for you, they're cruising down the highway in their minivan, you know, the Bible says it was a caravan, but anyway, and, and so as they were cruising down in their, in their minivan, he leaned over to his wife, Sarai, he said, baby, you know you're fine. <laughs> she said, yeah, you tell me all the time. And he said, but here's what's up. So we're going to get to Egypt, and these Egyptian dudes are going to see how good looking you are. And if they know you're my wife, they're going to kill me because they're going to want you. So would you, would you do me a favor? Would you just tell everybody you're my sister? For my sake, I don't want to die. Just tell everybody you're my sister. Now, can I just say, theologically speaking, that's jacked up. I mean, you thought your family was dysfunctional. This is just weird right here. And listen, let's see what happens. Uh, the Egyptians that says that uh, they did see her, verse 14, and that she was very beautiful. Could you say very beautiful? Very beautiful. And I want you to know that she was in her 70s and very beautiful. Ladies, Hallelujah. you can hang your faith hat on this promise in your 70s. You can still be a hot mama. Amen. So fine that if Prince was still alive, because <laughs> it says the prince of Egypt said to Pharaoh, you got to check this girl out. She's hot. So I don't know what that, what a cat call in, in ancient Egypt sounded like, you know, but they were doing it, you know. Oh, baby, walk away. I'd like to see you walk away. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know what they did, but they were doing it. You know, whistling at her and whoo. And the Bible says right here, verse 16, that Pharaoh took her into his house and treated Abram very well for her sake. And he had, Abram had sheep oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. Verse, verse 17, but the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Fellas, don't be hooking up with the wrong woman. 
I'm just going to keep moving right there. <laughs> and this is what Pharaoh said. What is it that you have done to me? Modern translation says, dude, you're killing me. Why didn't you tell me this is your wife? He said, you said she's my sister. What if I would have taken her as my wife? Then I would have really been in trouble with your God. Now for take, here's your wife. Take her and go your way. Everybody had an aha moment. And that was, Abram ain't supposed to be here. He's in the wrong place. Did you know that there's a right place and a wrong place for you? A little soapbox. Uh, you don't get to choose where you go to church. You go where Jesus tells you to go to church. There's a right one and a wrong one. Even, and you don't even have to like it if Jesus told you to go there. Anywho, uh, who's the Lord of your life? You or him? So God didn't say, Abraham, go to Egypt. He said, go to the promised land. And when times get tough, you don't abandon the will of God. Go somewhere else. I'm just not getting fed at that church anymore. Well, maybe it's you need to go back to the altar of consecration and do the last thing God told you to do so you can start hearing from God again. Maybe, maybe the problem with you hearing from God or getting fed at church, eating the dude with the spiritual food, maybe you just hadn't done the last thing God told you to do yet, and so you're drying up on the vine. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. I love you. I'm trying to help you. Somebody say, help me, pastor. All right, come on. Somebody say, pop the clutch. Preach it, white boy. Something. I mean, come on. Wake up out there. <laughs> so now Pharaoh said, here's your wife. Take her and go your way. That's where that 80s song came from. Remember that? You can go your own way. Go your own way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning Abram, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Verse chapter 13. Here we go. We're going to keep moving. Chapter 13, verse 1. Then Abram went up from Egypt. He got out of the place he wasn't supposed to be in, and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him back to the south. Verse 2. Abram was very rich. Could you just highlight that in your Bible? He was very rich. He was rich in livestock. Silver and gold. Did I mention that he wasn't just rich? He was very rich. Now, when the Bible says you're rich, that's pretty good. But when the Bible says you're very rich, that's like, that has to be like a billionaire today, I would imagine. Very rich. Did you know that the reason Jesus came was so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon the Gentiles? That salvation from our sin that's being redeemed from sickness and from poverty. Are y'all one of them prosperity churches? As opposed to poverty church? No, I have not taken a vow of poverty. Can I just, I'm going to go out and say something. One day I'm going to do a, a sermon series called uh, Cow Tipping, where we're tipping over sacred cows, things that people think are in the Bible, but they're really not there. But did you know that vows of poverty are really satanic deceptions? Because Jesus came to redeem us from poverty. That would be like me saying, I'm going to take a vow of sin. I'm just going to go sin, 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 because I've taken... No, Jesus came to redeem me from sin. Why am I going to go sin? Jesus came to redeem me from poverty. Why am I going to go be poor? Jesus came to redeem me from sickness. Why am I going to be sick? Say, well, you don't have any control over that. Aha, you need to keep coming here. 
Because <laughs> Jesus gave us dominion in his name. Okay, that's a whole nother sermon for another Sunday. But Jesus came that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. And part of that blessing, just a small part, is that God made this man very rich. Verse 3. And Abram went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there, everybody say there. Abram called on the name of the Lord. He did it again. He went back to the place where stuff was working. So if you're in a place in life where things aren't working, you need to get back to the place where they were working. And I bet you, a dollar to a donut, as my aunt used to say, that it has something to do with an altar in your life where you first consecrated yourself to God to serve him, and then you strayed away. You somehow got into Egypt, and you're not supposed to be there. That's not you're there. But there, Abram called on the name of the Lord. So when was stuff last working for you? Do you need to return to your original consecration to God? Abraham came back to the place where he made a commitment to God, and he recommitted his life to God. He came back to, he, he, in other words, he, he answered the call, as we say. And many of you, I know this by the Holy Spirit. That's why he put this message on my heart. Many of you are like Jonah. You're running from the call. And that boy got in a whale of a lot of trouble. <laughs> but you can't keep a good man down. That's what the whale said anyway. When, Ab- when Jonah repented, we know the rest of the story, right? So many of you are running from the call. You're called to serve God and be a light in the darkness in your industry whatever that might be. And you have not done the last thing that God told you to do. So this is your wake-up call today. Don't hit the snooze button. Don't roll over. Roll out, baby. It's time to get moving to go further faster because there's a better future for you, but it's not going to happen without the altar. But pastor, I've made a mess of things. We'll join the club. When my life is broken, perfect, because God builds with broken things. I've broken relationships. Or how about I'm just broke. (laughs) I'm just broke. Here's what I want you to know today. What does it take to build an altar? I've got some rocks that are on their way up this morning. Because it takes rocks to build an altar, doesn't it? Well, what are rocks? Thank you, sir. Rocky, Rocky. All right, there's something in here, right? Let me show you what's in here. You notice you had a rock on your seat? That was not in case you didn't like my sermon today. (laughs) I'll tell you what those are for in just a few minutes. We got some rocks here, okay? And this is a metaphor, if you will, for maybe something happened, maybe something rocky happened in your life. There's a geological application here that's relevant. There was a volcanic, this, these, these, these rocks used to be a part of something much bigger and altogether one, but a volcanic eruption occurred and exploded and things got heated up and things got broken and shattered and strewn and strewn everywhere all over the place. And now all you have is, is, is broken pieces laying around. 
Okay, I understand. Stuff happens like Abram's dad, his child died. That was horrific. But events happen, things grind, and tectonic plates shift and move, and things get messed up. And so you hard, now you have these hard things in your life. So what do you do with these hard things? There was an accident, or there was a broken relationship, or there was, there was, there was an affair and a divorce, and there was a bankruptcy. You fill in the blank, man. Stuff happens to us all. I told you that we're all uniquely screwed up in our way. So then what do we do? So you got choices. You can take these hard things. And you can carry them around. Whew. And it's heavy. Oh, man. It's a hard old way. I tell you what. You never know what God's going to do. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. I don't know why the good Lord put this burden on me just to teach me a lesson. Or oh, there's no God. If there was a God, how could he have let this happen? You know, just all these lies that people believe. And you can just carry this burden around. And, oh, gosh. It's back problems. I don't know why I got back problems. Whew, I wish there was some way I could lighten my load, man. It just seemed to can't, I can't make ends meet. I got more month than money at the end every time. Oh, Jesus. And we just believe the lie that this is just how life is supposed to be. Because this happens to us all. So what are you going to do with this? The Bible says, cast your burden on to Jesus because he cares for you. Now, let me teach you how to do that this morning real quick. This is your big application today. Because... If you don't cast your burden, and if you don't carry it around, here's what you do. You get mad at people. I remember David and Goliath. He had a rock too. Man, I'll take you out. And you start throwing rocks at everybody, right? You, start th- you just become that mean guy. Or you get, you get stoned. That was a play on words. <laughs> Because people do all sorts of things to medicate the pain. How many know it would just be better to get healed? So what do you do? You take your brokenness and you bring it before the Lord. And even though it's not perfect and it's not pretty, I get it. You arrange it before him and you take all and you start. And sometimes, you know, stuff happens. (laughs) Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. And you arrange it before the Lord and you start building an altar because altars are built from broken things. Amen. Your broken things. Now, I, I, I'm not going to brag. It might sound like I'm bragging, but I'm not. I'm being thankful. Let me tell you about something. I'm so thankful. I have a very rich relationship with God. And I have <clears throat> for a long time now, decades not that I haven't had struggles and temptations like everybody else, but even through those hard and challenging times, um, I've had a very, in fact, some things have happened to me in the spirit. I've seen some things, and I'm not going to tell you about them, because some of the things I tell you, you'd go, I don't know, man, that sounds a little, that's why I'm not going to tell you about it. But, but, but the point is, is I've had some really rich encounters with God. And it's not because I'm super spiritual, so to speak, or anything like that, or I have a special call in my life. If you hung out with me for any period of time, you would discover at least two things. And one of them is that I'm just a dude. I'm just a pretty normal guy. And you would probably think, how does God use that guy? Seriously. 
I don't float around or anything like that. Um, uh, I don't have a pillar of fire that appears in my kitchen by my coffee pot in the morning or nothing like that. I'm just a dude. But the second thing you'd probably discover about me is that what you see is what you get. I'm very transparent, sometimes too transparent, my wife tells me. (laughs) But what you see is what you get. And, And my philosophy is if you don't have anything to hide, you don't have to hide anything. And not that I'm perfect, I'm not. I've, I've, got, I've got stuff about me I don't want you to know. Just like you have stuff that you don't want me to know, right? But I'm honest. And I take that same brutal honesty into my relationship with him. And I think, my, my theory is, I think that's why he likes me so much. Because I don't try to hide my hurt or my junk or my brokenness, but I bring it to him and I talk to him about it. And it's like, you know, for example, Lord, I, I'm dealing with this squirrely thought. I'm struggling with this. Or, Lord, I'm having this temptation, and, I, and, it's, and it's difficult. And I, just, I want to talk to you about it because I need help. And the Lord's going, I was wondering when you're going to talk to me about that. Because it's not like he doesn't know. Right? It's not like when you come to him with your junk, he's surprised. Like, oh, my God. Or, oh, myself. That's so, I'm so shocked right now. I, I didn't know. Wow, you really do need Jesus. No, he knows. That's why he sent Jesus for all of us, because we all have brokenness. But when you come and you bring it, you lay it out before him, and you build an altar with it, and you worship him at that altar of your brokenness. When you build it, he comes, and he meets you in that place of your brokenness. And that's when the healing starts. That's when the freedom comes. Now, one thing you'll notice in the Old Testament, anybody who did anything significant for God built an altar, but they didn't stop there. They put something precious on it. They put something valuable on it. Now, the price of altering is that you pour out your own life over it and you say, Lord, I come and I present myself to you. I am the offering I am putting myself, in the New Testament, we bring a living sacrifice, right? Well, the only problem with living sacrifices is they like to crawl off the altar. So you got to keep putting yourself back on the altar. Lord, I'm yours. All that I am, all that I'm not, all that I've got, all that I've not, everything I am. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll say anything you want me to say. (laughs) That's for sure. I'll do anything you want me to do. My life is not my own. I belong to you, God. And if you say that and you mean that and you actually don't just hear from God, but you obey and do what he says, I'm telling you, what happens when you build an altar? You put, you put a sacrifice on it, and then what does God do? He answers with fire. That's the pattern. Altar, obedience, fire. Altar, obedience, fire fire. What's the fire? It's his glory. It's his power. It's his love. It's his transformational presence that comes into our life. It makes all things amazing. makes all things new. He gives you beauty for those ashes. Now I'm going to say something that's a little tough. I'm going to wrap it with humor. But there's a story of an altar in the Old Testament when Elijah the prophet was having a showdown with the false prophets of Baal. Remember that? And the false prophets, they tried to, they said, the God who answers by fire, he is God, right? And so they tried to get Baal to send fire, no fire came. And then Elijah said, all right, let me show you how it's done, boys. And what did he do? He rebuilt the altar of the Lord. 
And they took a bull. They put a bullock on top of the altar as a sacrifice, right? Took out the knife because that's what worship is. You got to kill something. And, but then God, then the prophet said, now bring me some water to pour on the altar. And they were like, water? There's a famine in the land. There's a drought. There is no water. That's the most precious commodity that we have right now. And he says, that's what God wants. He wants that thing that's really precious to you. Amen. Bring that now, here's our problem. Most of us, God's asking us for that precious thing, but all that's on our altar is a bunch of bull. It looks good, it looks religious, but you know if you're being honest with yourself, you're not giving God what he's asking for. If it's not precious, there's not going to be any fire in your life. There was never a greater altar than the cross of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus hung on that cross and rose from the dead, guess what happened? The fire fell. We call it the day of Pentecost. And if you think you can get through this life without the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power and the fire of God in your life, you're sorely mistaken. Now you, can get, you, can, you might can survive, but you're not going to thrive. And But God's will is not for you to survive, my, my beloved friends. His will is for you to thrive, that the blessing of Abraham would come upon your life. So you build the altar you hear from God, but then you obey. You give him that precious thing. One last verse. It's in Hebrews 11. We're not going to read the whole thing, verses 17 through 19. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. But it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, whom he had received as the promise. He offered up his only begotten son. The Bible says, Abraham believed God. And by faith, Abraham offered Isaac, did you know that whatever he's asking you to offer is going to require faith, courage? Now, you might be afraid, but you do it afraid. Why do you do it afraid? Because that's what courage is. Now, do you think, and I'll close with this, do you think that Abraham was afraid when he offered his precious son Isaac on the altar? Yeah. He was scared. But he did it by faith, the Bible says. Now, in the end... We know, we know the story. God said, stop, don't, don't sacrifice your son. We know that he needed a covenant partner so that God could offer his own son. But do you think years later, Abraham was glad that he obeyed God and offered that, that precious thing? Sure, sure. But in the moment, I can't even imagine. So here's the sermon in the sentence today. You ready? Here's the punchline of the whole day. Faith, without faith it's impossible to believe God, but faith is not, will I give... Let me, let me start over. Here's the sermon in the sentence today. Here's the punchline of the whole message. Faith is not, will I get from God what I'm asking him for? But faith is, will I give God what he is asking me for? That's real faith. Because you trust him with that which is precious to you, that takes faith. Are you willing to trust him with what's precious to you? Now, does God love you? Yes. Oh, yeah. But he also likes you. And he's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. So whenever he's asking you for something, whether it's a wrong relationship, he wants you to put that on the altar, whether it's becoming generous and becoming a giver, a tither, whatever it is, 
whether it's joining a small group or leading a small group or just meeting him every morning when you have your coffee and reading a chapter in your Bible and, and praying, whatever he's asking you to put on that altar that's precious, it's not because he's trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something better to you. That better future we were talking about, this is how it happens. You build the altar with your brokenness. You obey him, and then his fire falls on it. So real faith is not, will I get what I'm asking for? It's will God get what he's asking for? So here's how we're going to close today. I want to simply ask this. Who's ready to come back to the altar? That place where you committed your heart and your whole life to Christ when he was the most important thing. Who's ready to answer the call again? Whatever it takes. Whatever it looks like. Whatever the price. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, in Jesus' name, we come before your throne of grace. And we ask you, by your, would you... Would you Would your Holy Spirit right now begin to work in the hearts and lives of people in this room and watching us online to draw people to repentance today, to come back to that place of committing their life to you? Now, I'm going to ask three questions. Number one, who here today is ready to answer the call? Maybe you've run from it or maybe you've never answered it, but you're willing today to say, I'm willing to obey God. I've laid some things down that I need to pick back up. If that's you, just raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. Hands everywhere. God bless you. Can I just tell you, all of you that just raised your hand, it pays to obey. It costs to not obey. It pays to obey. Number two, maybe you're broken today, but God wants to build with you. Who's ready to believe God and not by getting what you want but by giving God what he wants you're you're, you're ready to offer him your Isaac that precious thing you're ready to take your brokenness and arrange it out and lay it out before God and be honest with him and then give him what he's asking for and you know what that precious thing is it might be a relationship it might be fill in the blank you know what it is and you're willing and ready to build that altar and give him your eyes. Would you just raise your hand today? Let me see who you are. Awesome. And finally, the third thing I'm going to ask you today. Jesus is not the Lord of your life, but you're ready to make him your Lord. Not playing games. This is 2020, man. Not looking over your shoulder, but moving forward, further, faster. You're ready to make him your all in all, the Lord of your life. I'm not going to make you stand up or come to the front, but if you say, Pastor, please include me in the prayer of salvation you're about to pray. I want to make Jesus my Lord. Raise your hand right now. Let me see who you are. God bless you. I see your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. God bless you. Seven, eight. Awesome. Anybody else? Nine. God bless you. If you raised your hand or should have raised your hand, let's all pray this together right now. Come on, Harvest. There's nine people that are about to make Jesus the Lord of their life. Let's all pray it together with them right now. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. Take my brokenness and build your church with it. Forgive me of my sin and fill me with your spirit. Jesus, you are my Lord. From this moment forward, I'm all yours. Amen. When when somebody gives their heart to Jesus, the Bible says the angels throw a party in heaven. Can we just join them for a second? Woo!
you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, please let us know. And if you prayed that prayer, let us know so we can help you take your next step.